Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We're going to be in three areas of Scripture today. Mark chapter 5, as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the gospel according to Mark, and Hebrews chapter 11, James chapter 5. Once again, Mark 5, Hebrews 11, James chapter 5. Let me commend you that you're here. Um, I know the rain scared all of us this morning. Um, I was so impressed with our 8.30 service. And for those of you that usually go to our 8.30 service and heard me challenge you online, welcome to the 12.30. Glad you're here. Uh, We're so excited to be able to serve the Lord together, to study the Word together here at Calvary Chapel South Bay. Once again, Mark's Gospel, Chapter 5, Hebrew, Chapter 11, James, Chapter 5. Is it still raining outside? Oh, okay, great. Wonderful. So thankful to hear. We'll be calling all those that didn't come. Uh, Great. No, we're so thankful uh, for that rain. It is a true blessing, isn't it, here in in California? Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts. Father, how grateful we are for the rain. For in a Mediterranean culture, when you said the rain falls on the just and the unjust, you were speaking of your blessing. It wasn't a negative. You bless the righteous and the unrighteous because you unconditionally love. And as we study scripture today, our prayer is is that you would bless us, not just with knowledge, but with the power of your spirit to put your word into action in our life. Would you grant us today an understanding so that we can put things in action? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to pick it up, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. If you remember, it was just the day before that Jesus was on the southern side of the Sea of Galilee, and it was there that he did not meet a multitude of people, he met a multitude of demons. And that was where he met the demon-possessed man. Now, once again, overnight, he has crossed the Sea of Galilee back to the northern side. This would be the Jewish side, and a great multitude has gathered there by the sea. Verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue uh, came, Jairus by name. Now, when the Bible says, and behold, everyone's surprised. And we should be because Jairus was a synagogue ruler or a leader or an elder. And if we remember that the Jews weren't very hip on Jesus. And so he came and he saw him and he fell at his feet, verse 23. And he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. He responds to his faith. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. All right, it's a pretty busy ministry schedule for Jesus. Crossed the sea and met a disastrous storm. Landed on the other side, found a demon-possessed man. He's asked to leave, cross the Sea of Galilee again, and he meets not a disastrous storm or demon-possessed man. He meets a dying girl and a desperate woman. This is a rough day. But the truth is, life is filled with circumstances, filled with situations and filled with experience that will trouble the soul. I know many of us even came this week 
We came hoping that the Lord somehow would minister to us in our situation. That's why the scripture ministers to us that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Because we cannot be certain of anything in life, we can be certain in our faith. The Bible encourages that the just, you and I, Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have been justified in their belief of Jesus as their Savior and Lord, shall live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? We say it all the time. Live by faith. It's important that we live by faith. Let's dissect that a little bit and understand that faith in itself, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the Word of God. You're here on a Sunday to hear the Word of God. You might have your devotions and read your Bible or listen to the Bible app and hear the Word of God. You might listen to a Christian podcast over the course of your week and once again, hear the Word of God. Maybe you listen to the radio and a sermon and it ministers to your soul. You're hearing the Word of God. And when you're hearing the Word of God, we grow in faith as we know the Word. As I know, I choose to grow, and the way that I grow is that I put into practice the very things that I'm learning in faith. For example, how many of you before faith, if someone slapped you, you would have slapped them back? Well, we learn in our faith. How many of you in faith will still slap them back? Don't answer that. But we learn in faith that when someone slaps us on one cheek, we're to turn the other cheek. When someone forces us to go one mile, not only are we not to have a bad attitude about them forcing us to go one mile, we're with a good attitude to go two miles. We didn't come up with that on our own. We learn that in the Bible because Jesus spoke it to us and we may not understand it. For example, this is a difficult one. Be kind one to another, especially when Uncle Ted is coming for Christmas. He always brings up some religious, some political argument, and then all of a sudden, be kind one to another. I don't understand. Why would you have me be kind to him? It's Proverbs chapter 3. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I may not understand why I'm to be kind to Uncle Ted who always causes a problem, but I'm to trust the word and not my feeling or my emotion or what I understand. I'm just to do what God calls me to do. Even if I haven't witnessed it, I'm to believe it. Even if I don't have an experience yet, I don't have the feeling yet, I'm still supposed to put the Word of God into action. That is what it means to live by faith. Turn with me to Hebrews. We'll see that. Hebrews chapter 11, our great hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, we see a definition of faith. It's in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And this entire chapter is filled with uh, people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and many people of faith that heard the word of God and they were built a good testimony because they did what God asked them to do, though they didn't witness it, though they didn't feel it. Let's take, for example, Noah, who was mocked for 120 years for building a boat because God told him there was going to be a rainstorm and he'd never seen rain before. Thank God Noah built the boat. And by it, he gained a good testimony because he heard the word of God and he put it into practice. Take a look at verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. In other words, this is why Jesus is called the word. Jews referred to Jesus as the word because they believe, and we believe, that he spoke the world into existence. 
So he said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. It came from nothing. It simply was. Now, what's amazing is he didn't even create the sun until the fourth day. So the light was there by his spoken word, not because there was a sun. Now, this is important because this past Wednesday, we had our staff Christmas party and we created Christmas ornaments. Now, that's not true. We developed them. We made them. But all of the supply and the material was there for us because we are not creators. I can't say Christmas ornament. It just won't happen. I'm not a creator. There's only one creator, and he spoke the world into existence. We believe that by faith. But I have a question. Why do we want to live by faith? Do you want to get something from God? Do you think there's something in it for you? Do you actually know the answer to why do I want to live by faith? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. Take a look, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go down to verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Did you see that? You see, if my life's aim is to please God, if my life's aim is to glorify God, then I'm going to choose to live by faith simply for the fact that it pleases God. I'm going to choose to be like Jesus. Jesus who did the will of God. Jesus who did the work of God. Jesus who did it the way that God does it. I'm going to model my life after Jesus who lived his life to be able to say, I glorified you on earth. And it's not just Jesus. We have so many in Hebrews chapter 11 that chose to live the life of faith and they gained a good testimony by it. Let's take a look at this incredible life of faith. Look at verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Now, I don't know if you know this is such a big deal because you know the end of the story. But I want you to think of Joshua, the mighty warrior, for just a moment. Joshua hears from God, all I want you to do is march around the walls of Jericho. Now, you be Joshua and go into your war room with all your generals and say, okay, guys, here's the deal. God just told me we're supposed to march around. Well, if I was a general in the war room, I'd go... Does God know that they pour burning oil from the walls? Does God know that even grannies throw rocks on our heads? Does God know that arrows come flying from up to down? We can get killed. Does God know this? I mean, Joshua, could you go back to God and find out, is this for real? All you want us to do is march around seven times? I think we need to understand what a big deal this was so that we can recognize when Joshua heard the word, he took a step of faith. He didn't know the walls were coming down, and so did Rahab. Look at the next verse. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. She believed what the spies said. She heard the word, and she put it into action. Look at verse 32. Now, I feel like when I read verses 32 through 35, you all should be humming the battle hymn of the Republic. Okay, ready? I'm kidding. You don't have to. Maybe sing the hallelujah chorus, okay? Because when we read this, there is something that should happen in our soul. Let's take a look. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, listen to this, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the army of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a victorious, conquering faith to physically see Your child come back to life again. I want this kind of faith. I want to see walls come down. 
I want to see, I want to see this kind of thing where the kingdom is advanced. I want to see where promises are fulfilled. I want to be like Daniel and the mouth of the lions are closed. Let's take a look at the next paragraph. Others were tortured. Okay, I don't want that kind of faith. Well, let's read on. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Are we sure this is in the Bible? They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good, uh, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Okay, who wants the first paragraph? Who wants to see promises obtained and walls coming down? Because I think we read that and the tortured and the sawn in two, and I don't know if any of us want that kind of faith. You see, this kind of faith, this kind of faith doesn't seem like a conquering kind of faith. No, Paul calls this kind of faith more than a conqueror. Because the Roman Christians, their children were being thrown into the gladiator's arena. They were watching their children being devoured by the live beasts before they themselves would get thrown in. Caesar Nero, he would dip the Christians in oil and then light them on fire and say, you call yourself the light of the world. And as they're going through this experience, they're wondering, where are the promises of God? Paul writes them and he says, we are more than conquerors. Let me explain. You see, a conqueror, just a conqueror, a conqueror is someone who actually sees the victory. But someone who is more than a conqueror lives in the victory whether they see it or not. That is someone who's more than a conqueror. That's someone who is living by faith. And what Mark shows us is two stories of two different people that are living by faith. Let's go back as we take a look at Mark chapter 5. Our very first point of someone who lives by faith is the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. We've got two people. We have got two people coming from two different sects of society. We have Jairus, and we don't even know the name of the woman. We don't even know her name. We have Jairus, who enjoyed his daughter for 12 years. And we have a woman who has a flow of blood. She's miserable, in sorrow, for 12 years. We've got a man, Jairus, who's wealthy, and a woman who has lost all of her money. We've got Jairus, who is the ruler of the synagogue. He's very well known. And then you have this woman who's a social outcast. She couldn't even go to worship services. She couldn't be around her family. She couldn't touch anyone. And with these two extremes, two completely opposites in society, both of them have one thing in common. They both came to Jesus in prayer. Jairus came out loud, publicly, corporate prayer, wanted everyone to see that he was coming to Jesus. But the woman, she was silent. It was just in her heart. And the two of them had one thing in common because Jesus responds to both of them. They sought God with all their heart. The Bible says that when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And I want us to analyze and take a look at the way that Jairus came with this prayer of faith because it's a model for us in our prayer for faith. First and foremost, Jairus came to Jesus. And we must get into the presence of Jesus on a constant, continual basis, just like Jairus set the example. You see, the Word of God encourages us to pray without ceasing. It's why I put prayer reminders all over San Pedro. So when I go into San Pedro and I see that sign, it reminds me to pray for something. When I pass by the McDonald's on Gaffey Street, it reminds me to pray. 
When I turn to go up on 7th Street, it reminds me to pray. And when I see the hospital there on 7th Street, before I turn left to go on Patton, I am in prayer for something. I believe the Bible. And the Word of God says that we should pray without ceasing, but we're so quick to forget about prayer. And oftentimes, we find ourselves thinking more than we find ourselves praying. We're just talking to ourselves. We're not directing the prayer to God. And Jesus, because he knows how quick to forget we are, he encourages us, go into your prayer closet. Go alone and to pray. But that doesn't mean that he's going to denounce Jairus for coming to him. No. Jairus has a heart And he's seeking God with all of his heart. And there's a place for private prayer. And there's a place for public prayer. But I want you to see something else about this prayer of faith. Jairus fell down on the ground. He humbled himself before the Lord. You see, the very act of prayer is an act of humility. It's saying, I believe that you are greater and I am lesser. And I'm going to worship you in my prayer. And I'm going to seek you for life's answer. The very act of prayer says to God, you are greater and I'm humbling myself as the lesser. And Jairus fell. But Jairus, he begged Jesus, the word says, earnestly. Now can you just stop for just a minute? This is a dad. His daughter is dying. So when we read this, we can't read this like this. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Because that is not what Jairus sounded like. His daughter is dying. And I'm not going to dramatize it for you, but can you just imagine what this plea must have sounded like as he fell on the ground pleading desperately for the life of his daughter. He was praying with sincerity. He was giving this prayer everything that he's got. Now turn with me to James chapter 5. You'll see this. James chapter 5, and it's only one verse that we're going to look at it, but it's so worth you turning to it, underlining it, memorizing it, meditating on it. This is a verse that should be in your scriptural diary. It's James chapter 5. Take a look at verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now here's the note. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to remind you. James is the half-brother of Jesus. So he is the son of Joseph and Mary, but he is the, his, their dads are not the same. Jesus' dad is the heavenly father, and Joseph is the father of James. James watched Jesus grow up. And he writes in his book, let me tell you something about prayer. I watched Jesus pray. And if you're effectual and fervent and righteous like Jesus, you will move mountains. I watched it with Jesus. Now I want to dissect this for just a moment so it can bring some reality. This word, effective, fervent, is two words, but in the Greek it's only one. It's the word energeo. It's the word that maybe you already hear in our English language where we get energy. In other words, what James is saying, I watched Jesus wake up early in the morning before the sun rose. I watched Jesus go up all night and pray on the mountain. I watched Jesus slip away from the crowd to go to pray. I watched Jesus put energy or put effort into prayer. How many of you like to go to Bedside Baptist for your prayer time? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. It's the prayer in our beds. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you. Guilty, anyone? Some of us can pray for hours like that, like through the night, can't we? There at Bedside Baptist, and we are just in our prayer time there at that particular place. No, no, no. What Jesus, what James is trying to get across is no, no, no. You got to put effort into prayer. You got to find your prayer closet. You've got to put up your spiritual reminders. Put some effort into prayer. It will have a reward. But he also says this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person. Someone who's righteous is someone who's right with God. They're living a life of faith. 
They've heard the word, and they're doing everything they can to put it into action. They're giving it all their energy. Because let me tell you about sin. Psalmist writes that if I regard iniquity in my heart, he doesn't hear me. Sin blocks the communication. Now, what's beautiful about God is he gives us a way to get back into connection. He says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, there is the truth of the word that sin can block, but God can forgive. And when we go to God, we can't just go to God uh, flippantly. We go to God earnestly with all of our heart. But Jairus, there's something that you need to see as we go back to Mark chapter 5. I want you to see it in verse 23. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Jairus doesn't doubt. And when we go to God in prayer, we believe God without a doubt. Doubt is like the shutoff valve to the flow of the Spirit in our lives. It's a shutoff valve. Um, We get the privilege to watch Pastor Zach and his four kids every once in a while. And it's such a, we love being with them. And one time we were babysitting. And their eight-year-old came up to me and said to me, I have a question, but I don't think you can answer it. And as soon as he said it, you know what happened in my heart? Go ahead and ask your question. I I will come, I'll Google it if I have to, but we will have an answer. And he asked me the most impossible faith-filled question, but he approached me and the Lord spoke to me. That's how you approach me sometimes. I have a question. I've got a problem. I don't think you can handle it. I've got something going on in my life, and I don't know if you can can handle this. Doubt. How many of us approach God that way? The church did. Do you remember when they were praying for Peter to be delivered? Peter gets delivered. He shows up at the door. Rhoda screams, runs back to the house, and says, Peter's free. And they go, nah, it's not Peter. He can't be. Lord, I pray you deliver Peter. Are you kidding me? How many of us approach God like the first church and we approach him with, we got a problem, we don't know if you can handle it. Even Jesus would encourage us, the disciples, and he would say this. It's Mark chapter 11. Listen to what Jesus speaks. He says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So I'm starting a new ministry. January 1st, I want all of you to meet me at the base of Saddleback Mountain. And we are going to say to that mountain, be removed. Who's going to join me? Oh, because God can't do it when he said that he could. Now, here in in California, we probably don't want to ask God to move mountains because it might actually really, it could happen. And I believe it can happen. Jesus, what are you saying here? You're saying That if I pray a prayer of faith, that whatever I'm asking, a prayer of faith, well, let's remember. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. I put faith into practice as I hear and I grow and I learn and I put that faith into practice. So every faithful prayer is going to come from the word of God and every faithful prayer is going to lean on the promises of God. So I'm not going to pray things that are outside of our faith. Let me give you an example. At Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, years ago, we had a new staff member come in. And I wanted to, like, play with the staff member a little bit. And so they were coming, and I had already prepped my other staff, okay? So there's about 30 of us in a room. And I told uh, my staff, I said, listen, when they come in, I'm going to read this scripture. Whatever you ask, he'll give it to you in Jesus' name. So what I want you to do is just say things out loud that you want. 
So one of my staff members, they walked in, the lady walked in, and one of my, I want a new car. And I said, in Jesus' name. Someone said, well, I want a new house. Well, in Jesus' name. And I, someone said, well, I want a boat. I said, in Jesus' name. So now let's all just chant, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The lady got up and walked out. The new staff member. And she should have. Let me tell you why. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lie down his head. You see, a faith-filled prayer will always be stemmed from the truth of the word. It is always to please God and to give him glory. Faith-filled prayers are those kinds of prayers. And Jesus says, I will answer those prayers. And maybe now you need a step of faith. And that's what we're going to learn from our story. Go back with me to Mark's gospel, chapter 5. Mark's gospel, chapter 5. Let's learn our second point, this step of faith. Let's pick it up again in verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and it suffered many things from many physicians. And I want you to note, this is what the world does. They take your money and leave you with nothing. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but she grew worse. When she heard, now maybe you'll circle that word, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment. She takes a step of faith. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Gang, this is a desperate woman. And all the world did was make her worse. And in this hopeless estate, she heard of Jesus. Now, this is not a coincidence. Jesus knows about this woman. Jesus knows exactly how desperate her situation is. And Jesus allowed her to get to the place where he was her only answer. Where he was her only answer. You see, she heard. I want you to look at the screen, and I want, to he- I want you to see what she heard about Jesus. It's Mark chapter 3 and Mark chapter 6. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that he might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him or reached out and touched him were made well. She heard this. Some friend from somewhere came into her town and said, if you just touch the hem of his garment, we've seen people saved. We've seen people healed. So it's so important for us to take a moment and realize how important it is for us to tell our Jesus story in the world. It's so important. Someone got saved. Someone got touched. Someone's life was changed. And this woman heard about it. And when she heard someone Jesus' story, a seed of faith was planted in her, enough where she was willing to take a step of faith. Now, I think when we read this story, we think she knew she was going to be healed. She had no idea that verse 29 was about to happen. All she heard was the word that Jesus could heal, and she took a step of faith and reached out to do what she heard was happening. This is what the Bible calls the walk of faith. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You'll see it on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by for we walk by and not by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And the truth of the matter in this step of faith, let me explain. She heard the word. She put it into action. That's called the walk of faith. She heard about Jesus and she put it into action. Now let me tell you what Jesus says about doing this. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, A wise man is someone who hears and does my word. 
He says, it's like a wise man who built his house upon the rock so that when it's raining like it was this morning, you still come to church. No, you might say, wait a second, it doesn't say that. No, 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 it does say that because the word of God says, don't neglect gathering yourselves together as some will be in the habit of doing. So you looked at the rain, and because you know the word, you got to church. I don't want to neglect gathering myself together. Come rain or shine, I'm on my way. But the Bible also says that Jesus said, if you hear and don't do my word, well, that's pretty foolish. Who wants to be called foolish? Who would like for that title to be put upon us? You see, it's important for us to do the word even though you don't know the outcome. So here you are in church. Now, everyone that's listening online is like, oh, great. I can't believe I didn't show up to church. He knows I'm not there. I don't know you're not there. (laughs) And all of you that are sitting in the sanctuary are like, yes, I did it. I was faithful. I did it. I'm here. I know the word. Well, God bless you. You'll probably fail this week, okay? So just hang in there with grace for everybody else. This is the walk of faith. And I have found, I have found that the step between spiritual and physical blessing, there's a bridge, and that bridge is called faith. This woman believed what she heard. She believed that if she reached out and touched, that she would be made well. Church, the Lord wanted so much more for her, not just a physical healing, though physical healings are glorious. Take a look at Mark chapter 5. We'll pick it up there in verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, it's not that Jesus didn't know. You're going to see that in just a moment. He is going to set this woman free. But his disciples said to him, now, we know from another gospel that it's Peter. You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? This is like being in New York City at Christmas time. Of course, Jesus, someone is going to touch you. He wasn't able to see what Jesus was experiencing. Verse 32, and he looked around to see her, so important, who had done this thing. He saw her, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Jesus very rarely used this term. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed or be made whole of your affliction. This woman, she had a silent prayer. It was in her heart, but it was with all of her heart. She reached out to touch the hem of his garment. Jesus turned around and says, who touched me? And he saw her. You have to understand, I get it why she was afraid. She, with fear and trembling, she just put everything out there. Her whole life's experience had been losing her money, losing her family, losing her community, losing her opportunity to worship. So here she is thinking to herself, he's going to take it back. I've lost everything. For 12 years, that's all I know is to lose. Of course he's going to take it back. I don't have my family. I don't have any more money. I don't know where I'm going to live. I've lost everything because of this. And Jesus looked at her and said, daughter. He looked at her and said, daughter, go in peace. Be made whole. And he said it out loud. He said it in front of the entire community because Jesus wanted everyone to know that I have given this woman's life back and I've given life and I've given it abundantly because that's what Jesus does when we take a step of faith and we reach out to him. And when the just live by faith, he does give us life and he gives us life abundantly. Amen? Amen. This is the step of faith that each one of us have an opportunity to take. Let's take a look now, though, at Mark chapter 5 to complete our story. While he was still speaking, verse 35, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. 
Now, there's many witnesses, and they came and said, she's died. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. We can get so caught up in this woman's story. We can get so caught up in this woman's story that we have completely forgot about Jairus. But here's this dad. And I want you to imagine where he's at. Jesus, like, my daughter's dying. We, we're wasting time. We don't have time for this woman. Like, I mean, God bless you, lady. I hope you feel better, but we've got to get to my house. Could you just be a dad for just a moment? And understand that he is sitting there watching Jesus take time to minister to this woman, and he's come to get him, and Jesus has responded to him. This woman is an interruption. Jesus isn't wasting time. Jesus is testing his faith. And he says to him, Don't be afraid. Believe. Fear is the enemy to faith. It is the enemy to faith. And I don't know about you, but I do not like this area of Scripture. Because I don't like tests. I don't like tests in algebra. I didn't like tests in college, midterms, or finals. I don't like tests today. In fact, if you like tests, I think you're weird. (laughs) And we read this, and why in the world do we have to endure these tests? You're forgetting the whole Bible study. It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Speaking to the children of Israel after the 40 years. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, a great character of God. So I'm producing in you humility and to test you. Now here's why. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Can I remind you? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. We're wise if we do what we hear. And our faith pleases God. So the reason that he tests us is to reveal to us where we are so that we can further please him. We're not giving faith so that we can get. We're growing in faith so that we can give glory to God. And what God is doing with Jairus is he's building his faith because this pleases God. It doesn't please Jairus, but it definitely pleases the Lord to see this kind of faith. Do you remember the centurion? When the centurion shows up in Matthew chapter 8 and he says, listen, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof, but if you just send the word, Matthew tells us that Jesus marveled He was so pleased, he marveled with his faith because faith alone pleases God. Now let's take a look at how this pleasing faith was before Jairus. We're going to pick it up in verse 38. So then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And if you've ever seen in a Mediterranean culture a funeral, it is quite a scene. And when he came in, he said to him, Why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead but sleeping. Look at his perspective. This child is not dead but sleeping. They ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, so he put the faithless people outside, they're not walking across the bridge. He took the father and the mother of the child, the faithful people, and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered there where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talithi kumai. Now he's speaking Aramaic, so what Mark does is he translates it into Greek for his Roman audience. Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. In other words, what Jesus is saying, let me get out of the house before she goes outside so that I can get to the next place of ministry. Now you have to see what's happening is, it's our final point, this is the victory of faith. But the victory might be a little bit different than what you're thinking. You see, this kind of faith produces 
a different kind of perspective. The girl's not healed. But Jesus says, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Take a look at our screen. For whatever is born of God, that's us, we're born again, overcomes the world. That's a statement of fact. We are overcomers because we've been born again. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We are overcomers, factual statement. We have the victory, another factual statement in the Bible. You may not feel it. You may not be witnessing it. You may not even be, it may not even be your experience, but it is true. What's your perspective? Jesus lived in that perspective, and he said, the child is not dead. Sleeping. Sleeping. You see, we have victory. And it doesn't mean that there won't be heartache. Look at poor Jairus. He had to walk into the room of his dead daughter. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He made it very clear that we're going to have tribulation. He said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. So my word will help you overcome. Simply my word will give you peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. You see, his word gives us peace, and his victory is found in the cross and the resurrection. It's why Jesus was able to say, she's just sleeping. Let me explain how this kind of faith leads to victory. Only those who believed witnessed the miracle. But there's a greater miracle that we need to see in the context. Because some people don't realize the physical triumph. And they've got faith all the way to their dying breath. My uncle did. He died of cancer. And he believed all the way to his dying breath that the Lord was going to heal him. Now, was his faith wrong? Absolutely not. He chose not to doubt the entire way, but he also believed in a greater victory. Let me explain. When Jesus was on the cross... It was said to him, you saved others, save yourself. And I know some of us, we would prefer the first group of Hebrews chapter 11 who saw victory. And I know some of us are living in a lack of victory. Sawn in two, tortured in our emotions. And I know some of us are conquerors, and we've seen that, and some of us are more than conquerors. But I want to remind you, Jesus died. He died. He could have saved himself, but he died. And we live in victory over death because he rose again. You see, there is no longer a sting to death. There is no longer a shame of the death. The one thing that could get us, the one thing that could separate us from God, Jesus conquered and has pow- it has power over us no longer. Jesus didn't come down from the cross for the greater victory of the resurrection. So church, we can't be discouraged even if we're facing the valley of the shadow of death. Because to be absent from the body, according to the word, is to be present with the Lord. This is victorious faith. Whether it is one that is conquering, that sees a victory, or one that is more than a conqueror and believes in the victory despite seeing the victory, this is our faith. And the just shall live by faith. Amen? Would you pray with me? Our Father, we do come before you. And today, we see in this test even some concern in our own heart. But we see two people that reach out to you and take a step of faith in their desperate need. So, Lord, help us believe. In our life, situation, circumstance, help us to believe. 
church in an attitude of prayer. Jairus came publicly. Jesus, I need you. The woman came silently, but both of them sought Jesus with all of their heart. They both took a step of faith because they knew Jesus was the answer. Period. They knew Jesus was the answer. Today, maybe you believe like them, but you're in your desperate situation. And maybe today you need to take your step of faith and just like Jairus and just like this woman, she came silently but Jesus wanted everyone to know that he made her life whole again. It's why I ask you to come forward because it's the way that Jesus did it. And if today you need to take a step of faith And you're in your situation. You're in your desperate place. Would you follow the example of Jairus and this woman? And get up out of your seat and say, I'm going to reach out to the hem of his garment. Maybe you don't know the Lord. And you don't know about the victorious faith that we have. One that is more than a conqueror, that even if we are to die, we know absent, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is our faith. And you don't have that kind of faith. You've tried to fill your void, just like the woman, with all the world has to offer, but it will always leave you empty. It just always does. Because there's a God spot on your heart that only Jesus can fill. Today, maybe you need to take a step of faith. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.